Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. For those of you uh, who have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 7. Actually, we're going to do two chapters today. And so you may, you may think, wow, this is crazy. But trust me, we'll get through it and we'll get everything squared away. All right, let's do this. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, I, I've been feeling a little lost. Brian has been gone for a week now. And so, like, I, I haven't been interrupted in my office lately uh, to, like, talk things through all the times and everything like that. Hey, thank you very much. And uh, so it's been, it's been kind of interesting, but I know that he's going to be, he's going to be taking off. And there you go. He's uh, going to be coming back, and then I'm taking off. And so we won't be seeing each other for a while. And I'm just hoping that he feels the same about me, even though he hasn't called. So... Uh, <laughs> called his wife for some reason, not me. Just once? Yeah, wow. I'm going to talk to him about that for you. Okay, awesome. Uh, but I've been thinking about this whole entire week looking at this scripture because one of the first things I always do when, when, I, read, when I read a text that we're going to look at is I, I ask the question, why is this in the Bible? Why do we have this piece of scripture in the Bible? Because um, if you look at it, we ended, oh, two weeks ago with this, uh, with this verse in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 20. It says this, Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we left it there, and then we went on to have uh, Father's Day service, and then we get to this verse, or these chapters. And I'm always asking, why is he talking about this? Because if you go back in Scripture and you look at um, Melchizedek, he only comes up outside of Hebrews two other times. One in Genesis chapter 14, uh, and you can read that story. It's, a, it's a, an amazing story. And then one in Psalms, which is uh, going to be quoted in, in what we're looking at today. But I started thinking about this and going... You know, there's things in the Bible when we read about people. You know, we think about David, right? We, we all know who David is. We all know who Peter is. We all know who Paul is, right? Timothy. We even get Saul, right? Even though he wasn't the greatest character in the world. We, we even get some of these, um, I would say, um, the minor prophets, major prophets, all that. And then we get these very few people that we hear their names and we don't know much about. And so my question became, then why is this important if this person's only in the scripture maybe once? And then not really mentioned much more and we don't know about them. But I started realizing as I came across um, some reading is not so much about what it, wanting to know about that person, but what does that person or that thing say about Jesus? And so as I was doing the research this week, I really started to unpack this idea of Jesus is greater than. We have this guy, which we're going to unpack because he's in the next two chapters. Melchizedek is his name. And from now on, can we just call him Mel? Okay, let's just call him Mel. I do not want to call him Melchizedek. I'm going to mess it up, okay? So we're going to call him good old Mel. All right. So 
Um, Mel is only in, like, he's all over this piece of scripture. But I found it interesting because there's some things about Mel that you definitely need to know in terms of how this affects you today. Because if you could imagine a world in which every single day you woke up and you didn't know where you stood in the grand scheme of things, where you just thought that life was just kind of a humble jumble mess and you went from here to there and every single moment of your life you tried to make sense of it. You tried to make sense of why the sun rose and why the sun set. Why there was a moon up here and stars came out, but yet you could see the moon during the day sometimes, but it was brighter at night. Or why this plant grew or didn't grow when I put water on it or didn't put water on it. I mean, all these different things. Like you're trying to make a system of life. And you're going about, about things. And then all of a sudden this guy comes to you, God, and says, I am different from everybody else. And so now, Abraham, you've heard stories about him, right? You've heard stories about God. You know that this God flooded the earth and, and Noah had all of his family come along. You've heard all the stories of how long it took Noah to build this ark and, and how many days he was in the ark. And now you have Abraham who's asked to Man, leave everything he's ever known to follow this, but it's never been real to him. And then you get this system eventually later on where you realize that we make sacrifices to appease God and to actually make him happy. And that's what we think, right? We want God to be okay with us, and so we try to purify ourselves in every single way we possibly can. We find out that, hey, this animal helps us clear up this sin in our lives. And then all of a sudden it becomes about do's and don'ts, right? We start following these people who tell us do this and don't do this. But if you do this, you'll be much better. Wait a second, but absolutely don't do that. And then it becomes this race of realizing that, wait a second, Abraham came across a God who was completely different. And there was a desire for man to make themselves clean in front of God. To make themselves able to even be in his presence. And so there's this whole system set up where God says, hey, we have the tribe of Levites who are going to come and what they will do for you guys is that they will be your priests and they will help you understand how to be right with me. Because I am so holy that we have to do different things. And then comes Jesus later on. And I know I'm going really fast through this, but it'll make sense. Then comes Jesus and says, we don't have to do that anymore. Blows people's minds. We talked about the book of Hebrews written to the Israelites, written to people who are in Judaism. And he's trying to make these connections, and he makes the connection of all things with Melchizedek. And we here, some 2,000 years later, are going, yeah, we know Jesus. We got Jesus down. We're, we're good with Jesus. But who in the heck is Mel? Could you imagine if somebody came to your child this year and said, hey, we don't have to do, we don't have to do Christmas anymore. 
you're good. We're good, we're good with Christmas. We don't need any Christmas. We're never going to celebrate Christmas ever again. Never going to mention it. People go, well, wait a second. It's what we've always done. What are we going to do in its place? How are we going to celebrate things now? How are we going to get gifts? That's the first thing I would think about, is I no longer get a gift card from my parents every year. Right? We, we think about those things, and now all of a sudden, all these people are going, I, we, we don't understand what's going on here. And so, the author of Hebrews does a phenomenal job of moving the people in this culture to realize how Jesus is greater than everything they've done so far. And so we're going to dive into that today. But before we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we jump into your word, would we realize that it's got so much for our hearts. It's not just words on a piece of paper. It's got meaning. It's, it's driving us and directing us. And so, Lord, would we meet with you today? Because we know you're already here. Move our hearts where they need to be moved. Soften our hearts where they need to be softened, Lord. And uh, would we learn from you? In your name we pray. Amen. And so this is kind of how we're going to do it. I'm not going to read the whole entire two chapters that we're going to go through today, but I'm going to pick them apart a little bit one by one and, and kind of go from there. And so uh, if you want to take notes with me, go ahead and grab out your bulletins and here we go. So the very first one is this, is Jesus is greater than any high priest. Jesus is greater than any high priest. Verses 1 through 10. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. Let me tell you a little bit about this. This is a little crazy because this, the, uh, the priesthood system has not even been set up by this time. Abraham, just to let you know, has to die, right? Because then we get the 12 tribes of Israel after, after his descendants come about. And so the Levites, Levites aren't even born yet. And here's this guy, Mel, coming along. Abraham gets done actually killing a whole bunch of kings for, uh, well, actually he's ended up taking the land, but also uh, just some of the kings are wicked. And so Abraham goes and slaughters these kings and he comes back and he's actually going to have a meeting. He doesn't actually kill all the kings. He's going to have a meeting to talk about peaceful um, peace treaties with these other kings. And so he sits down with them. And good old Mel comes along, and Mel has, this is crazy, Mel comes and brings bread and wine and sits down at a table with them and says, let's talk about life. I want to bless you, Abraham. I realize that God's, um, that, uh, God's hand is upon you, and I want to bless you. This is insane because, well, not insane, but I think it's really interesting is because right away, Mel 
is the priest of the Most High God. There's lots of other things that we've, like I talked about, that there were people after Noah trying to figure out what life was all about and trying to wrap around things. And here's the deal. Mel was a guy who was following God. Before Abraham was, right? Before Abraham became a nation or the father of the nations, Abraham comes to Mel and, Mel, and Abraham knows that Mel is a priest of the Most High God. Which is also interesting because if you go along into the rest of Jewish history, here's the deal. You cannot be a king and be a priest at the same time. And Melchizedek is both. See, I said his name without good old Mel. He's both. He's not only a priest, but he is also a king. Which is, which is also interesting because in the world of how God set it up is Guess what? There was never actually supposed to be a king of Israel. God was supposed to be their king. And so they were supposed to have priests so that the priests would help them to have a relationship with God. And here in the very beginning is a king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, offering blessings to Abraham. And he goes along in verse, uh, verse 2, he says this. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. Melchizedek's whole life is about being a king of righteousness and being a king of peace. Do you not see the parallel yet? He goes on to say, He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of something later on. Uh, it says about Jesus that you are the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But before he even quotes that, he says this, that Melchizedek resembles the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. Now there's a couple things that kind of belong in that because how can a man continue on forever? And what he's trying to, what the author is trying to communicate to us is this, is that it wasn't about genealogy in that time. It wasn't about whose father was who in this, is that he is a high priest because he follows and obeys God. And he's a king of righteousness and of peace. And so it's not so much about ancestry, but it's about what is trying to be accomplished. And so now in these very first three verses, you have a king priest of the Most High God. You have a king priest who blesses and a king priest who endures for all time. And now we'll get into a very interesting thing right here. See how great this man, verse 4, see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. 
And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these, though these also are, descend, are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestors when Mel met him. That's a lot of stuff, right? Quickly, sum it up. Abraham realized that he was the high priest. And so because of that, he gave a tenth and he said, here, I understand that God deserves a tenth. And so I will give this tenth to you. He's saying that that's what the Levites have done forever is that we would give a tenth to the Levites because that's what God commanded us to do and that they had a special calling upon their lives. Abraham realized that Mel had a calling on his life. But he says it is beyond, in verse 7, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. That Abraham, even though he already had all the promises, he realized that this guy was greater than him. And he gave his tenth to him. And he received a blessing because of it. We don't give a tenth because we're looking for a blessing. That's actually not why we give a tenth. We give a tenth because we realize that they are superior to us. And so they even also say that even the Levites at this time realize that Melchizedek is greater than them. That he is a greater high priest than them. And so if we were to take it a step further... Here's what I'd have to say is this, is the reason why Jesus is greater than any high priest is because guess what? Mel still died. We don't hear much of him after this. But the reason why he is important is because not only was he king, but he was also priest. He was the one who blesses. He is the one who receives honor. And he's the one who endures. And it's not because of ancestry, but because of what God has placed upon his life. Next part of this scripture is Jesus is greater than the old covenant. Jesus is greater than the old covenant. And we're going to kind of fly through this one a little bit quicker, but I, I wanted to give a little bit of, hey, this is the reason why Mel is important in this whole entire scripture, because Jesus is greater. And so now, verse 11 through verse 22, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to rise in the order after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron. Here's the deal. Right there is where we realize that Jesus is greater than the old, greater than the old covenant because perfection was not attainable through the system of Levitical law. 
Verse 12, for when there is a charge in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change. Sorry, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeliness, like, sorry, likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of, this, because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. Here it is again. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it's not without an oath. For those who are formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will, cha- will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. <clears throat> I know you're reading this for the first time with me, but every time I've read this scripture more and more this week, I've almost wanted to cry. Because <clears throat> here's what it's saying. The old system never could have helped you out. Could you imagine if you had to live back then, not knowing where you stood with God, trying to figure out if this system was really truly what it's supposed to be, and now we're living here going, we know it's exactly what it's supposed to be because of who Jesus Christ is. The grace that's in, involved in this knowing that no animal shed, shedding of their blood could ever save us. And he goes on to say that it's, it's not perfect. And you could even see it in the human flaw. Verse 12, when he says, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is obviously a change in the law, because guess what happens? Every time a new guy comes along, he interprets it differently. How many arguments have you seen the Catholic Church go through every time a new pope comes in? How many arguments have you even seen when a new pastor comes into a church? Well, I think of it this way. Jesus is saying, I am the foundation. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Yes, he is because we talked about him being the author, but the author of this is saying, Jesus is the foundation for this whole thing. Do you realize it? Do you get it? And the thing is, is that we need a priesthood. It is, not that, it is not that Jesus just comes along and all of a sudden we don't need a priest. We do. We need Jesus. And he has to be that because those are the people that go in and are our intercessors. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. They're the, they're the people that stand in the gap for us. What would have to happen is the high priest would go in for you and he not only would actually atone for his sin by sacrificing, but he would then also, after he's got all of that stuff done right, then he would sacrifice for us. And they would go into the inner um, 
inner, I'm going to call it the inner circle, okay? Uh, but the most holy of holies, and they'd go in behind the curtain. And in fact, actually, it was such a scary thing that they would tie a rope around the high priest's uh, ankle. And every once in a while, they'd give a little tug and make sure that he's still alive, because if he wasn't, they'd pull him right back out and they'd send another guy in. Because that's how the whole system would work. We had to have somebody to pay for our sins, to pay that we weren't righteous enough, to pay that we weren't people of peace. And so God set up that system. And the author is saying that system doesn't work anymore. Jesus is that for us because we needed something forever. We didn't need something until somebody died and then the next guy came in. We needed a forever priesthood, which also means that we need a new covenant then. Because if it's no longer about making sacrifices, it's about somebody willing to make a sacrifice for us. And so the weakness of the old laws done away with, with the strength of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And so, let's talk about Jesus for a second. Through this, in verses 23 and 25, Jesus is permanent. Jesus is permanent. The former priests were many in numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is permanent. And because he lives and because he's always here, he knows absolutely everything that's going on. And so because of him, he has the ability to continue on and make intercession for us. He knows what's going on. He knows what we need. Because he is the king, and because he is eternal, eternal, and because he's given us a better hope, that allows him to be the best high priest for us. And so, number four, Jesus is perfect. Verses 26 through 28, for it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifice daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he has done this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints man in their weakness as high priest, but the word of oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus does not need a leash on his ankle to be pulled out if something goes wrong. Jesus is absolutely perfect. And because of that, I'm going to read that whole thing again. He is holy, he is innocent, he is unstained, and he's separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. 
Jesus is perfect. He has a perfect nature. He sacrificed once for all, and he was God's eternal plan. And so, as we were reading that, we decided as a uh, preaching team, we might as well hit chapter 8 too. And so a lot of you are sitting here going, okay, great, we need to be done. Let's go fast on this one, okay? There's only 13 verses. Because Jesus is greater than, this is what happens, right? Because Jesus is greater than, he is our high priest. Verses 1 through 5. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. That is, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if, we, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there, there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy of shadows of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that is shown you on the mountain. Here's the deal. This is what it's saying. Because Jesus is our high priest, he is already in the temple. He is our high priest because he's sitting at the right hand of God. And there were 12 disciples who watched him ascend up into heaven. Everything that he said in the Old Testament is true when he says he's going to go to the Father after he's resurrected. The author is making a connection by saying, because he is at the right hand of God in the, sorry, I should read it, the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. He becomes a minister for us. He is right by God, making things happen for us. But really, it's about bringing God the most glory. Making sure that God's things are done on this earth. Not about giving us what we need, because he goes on to say that it's, if he was here on earth, he would then give out blessings like he's supposed to uh, because that was the commandment. But no, Jesus' whole entire job is to make God famous, to bring God glory all the time. What we saw in the past was only a shadow of what's happening and should be happening today. And so, do you realize that Jesus is your high priest? And we're going to get into that in just a second. The last thing is this, because Jesus is greater than. And by the way, I know that there are some of you in here that are really good at grammar. There should probably be a comma after because Jesus is greater than, comma. I just didn't put it there, okay? So, well, Tony did because Tony's good at grammar. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Because Jesus is greater than, his new covenant is better. His new covenant is better. Because this is why his new covenant is better, okay? Because the covenant has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. That his righteousness would cover us. And that it is being done every day by him. Once and for all, he's still alive. He's not dying. Verse 6. 
But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Still following him. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their inequities, and I will remember their sins no more." I love this piece of scripture because this is what it says. He says, because you guys couldn't follow the law and you were supposed to be teaching people about these things, guess what? I'm taking it into my own hands. Here's Jesus Christ. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Since you're not going to do it, I will. I will do it through Jesus Christ. And here's the thing is everybody, everybody has to at some point do something with Jesus because they know because of him he is sat there and I and I love what it says in verse 11 and they shall not teach one another as their neighbors saying know the Lord for they shall all know me it's the point of Jesus Christ always as he sits down at the right hand of the father is for him to get people to know God says in Romans that if we, if we don't, the rocks will cry out. If we don't take a part of this, if we don't actually help spread the news of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're in danger because this is the new covenant that Jesus says to us in, in Matthew chapter 28, right? Go into all the nations, teaching them what I have commanded you baptizing them. Let them know who I am. But if you're not going to, Jesus is still going to do it. Verse 13. I love this. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And the old is gone and the new has come. And there's so many alliterations in this, but I came to the point, and here's where we're at. I came to the point going, so what? So what? Great, awesome. We all know, most of us in this room, you wouldn't maybe be sitting here if you hadn't heard of Jesus at some point before in your life, or you wouldn't be here if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean for us then? That means that if Jesus is greater than <laughs> than any old high priest, than any old covenant. And Jesus is permanent and he's perfect and he's our priest and, and the new covenant of him is way better. Then we should live towards that. This whole entire week, I find it funny that Colleen stop, steps up and says, hey, I've just, through my life, I've just been, man, oh, man, uh, I've noticed my sin. 
I've noticed this week that even for me, that as I've been trying to go, hey, God, would you just share how this is important, that Jesus is greater than, I found myself going, man, any sort of maybe small moment or any time that I had extra time in my life to do something, I always found it to be filling with something other than Jesus. I found it uh, interesting that when I had a chance to maybe pray for somebody that said, hey, pray, I, I didn't. Because maybe I don't believe that Jesus is greater than these problems. If we truly believe that Jesus is greater than and, he's, and his ministry is amazing, then why aren't our lives towards that effect? And I didn't put this in the bulletin, but you can write these down if you want to. But here's 10 things that Jesus is greater than in your life. Jesus is greater than death. We don't need to fear death. God, Jesus has already conquered it. 1 Corinthians 15, read that. Jesus is greater than your problem right now. Whatever that problem is, that addiction, that uh, medical issue, the fight that you had this morning on your way to church because we all do. I even fight with myself. Uh, Jesus is greater than your current problem. John 16, read that. Jesus is greater than our sin. And if you're wound up in sin and you're sitting there going, I can't kick it. No, Jesus is greater than that too. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to make you read whole chapters, not verses. Jesus, if you're sitting in this room going, I, I don't know about this. Jesus is greater than your doubt. Luke 24. Jesus is greater than your past. Psalms 103. I love this one. Jesus is greater than your plans. I love how I plan all the time. And when I finally realize it, I'm like, wow, maybe I'm going to go back to seeing what Jesus wants. Proverbs chapter 3. Jesus is greater than your pain. Isaiah 53. Jesus is greater than your fear. 1 Peter chapter 5. And Jesus is greater than your needs. Philippians chapter 4. And the last one I find pretty feeding is Jesus is greater. Dot, dot, dot. Fill it in. The reason why this is in Hebrews is because he's trying to, the author is trying to remind us that no matter what place we find ourselves in, and if we have not accepted Jesus Christ, given our lives to trusting him and following him, we don't see Jesus as greater at all. We just see Jesus as a ticket. We just see Jesus as a genie in a bottle. We just see Jesus as a guy that will help us feel better about what's going on, but will really never live to the point of giving glory to God all the time.
And so our whole point is that as Jesus is trying to make God famous, maybe we should take on the idea that we need to make Jesus famous. I'll ask the, uh, <laughs> I'll ask the worship band to come forward, and we're going to end with a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And I think that's funny because, not funny, I think it's amazing that uh, Tim would pick this song because um, a- as we sing about it, Abraham was met by good old Mel with bread and wine. That was what they partook and had communion with. And that's literally what the altar is all about, is having communion with God and saying, hey, we want to be with you. And so as we're singing this song, maybe ask Jesus what you've put in your life that's greater, that you think is greater than him. And then Tim is going to close us in prayer when we're done.
Jesus is calling. Thank you so much, God, for sending your son. Thank you so much for the family we have here. And uh, though they're the physical altars, um, spiritual one is there for us every minute of every day. May we continue to be a family in search of you in the week ahead. Bless everyone today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.